fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 48 and 20 podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? <sighs> Man, I'm really good. How good? <laughs> so good. Uh, drinking beer, obviously. That always makes me better. Uh, we haven't... A we fine Pilsner beer, to be exact. A fine Pilsner beer, yeah. The it, Just light. I like that they've gone back to just light on the can. We're drinking light. I mean, a there's, a, Pilsner beer. there's a huge battle going on in the domestic light category. A huge battle of epic proportions? A war. Before I left Anheuser-Busch, that's what they were calling it. They were calling it a war akin to the pricing battles of the 90s. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer a party to it, so I don't know exactly what, what's going on. It's just getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Uh, yeah, but this this time it wasn't cheaper and cheaper. This this was all marketing. and I see. Like The pricing wars were, were just that. People were like, you could leave a store with an 18-pack for like $5.99. Right. <laughs> uh, and it, in Oregon, we have a 10-cent deposit because we want to recycle. Mm-hmm. And so what last year, uh, we had a new bottle bill that passed, uh, cause there was a, uh, a threshold that we had to have 90%, 80%, I don't know, a pretty, a really high percentage of depositable, uh, containers returned for deposits or the price would go up from five cents to 10 cents. So it went up. Because we didn't reach that threshold. We didn't even get close. No, not even close. It and was the, like 15% or something like the, that. The danger is they talked about, and I don't know if that was part of the legislation or if they're going to revisit it. It was There was a time period where they have to revisit it. If we don't reach that threshold by then, it's going to go to 25 cents. Can you imagine 25 cents a deposit? Yeah, you know, people are going to start buying two liters of beer is what's going to happen. <sighs> I'm not opposed to that, but no, me it, either. I mean, even going to 10 cent a deposit, that was such a significant increase that people were stealing 30 packs of beer and had no intention of drinking them. They would just pour them out. They'd steal, <laughs> they'd steal the 30 rack, pour the beer out, return to the same store for three bucks for three bucks. People are really dumb people. Are, but then you can buy three hurricanes. Yeah. I bought these, I bought these 12 tall boys of, of light, a fine Pilsner beer for like nine, I think. But most of that. Oh, my was, guess was going to be like twelve ninety nine. I think it was nine. That's a that's a deal right yeah. there. Plus a dollar twenty in, in deposits. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, I buy flats of water every once in a while, and they're like sixty cents, but it's thirty bottles, and they're like, all right, three sixty four. Like wh- <laughs> what? <laughs> what right. are you talking about? <laughs> right. Yeah, deposits suck here. Deposits suck everywhere, man. But I I cleaned out my uh, my bottle drop account today. I had twenty bucks on it what's a bottle drop account do you guys not do this no okay so we have a service here in oregon it's i imagine it's pretty pretty widely available you go down to the bottle drop center and you pay them 50 cents and you get 10 bags they're green 13 gallon grocery bags and you get 10 labels they give you a card uh, and like a little kiosk like key ring card and then you scan it and you bring your so then you go home then you fill your 13 gallon bag with with depositable items cans bottles anything that has a deposit on it and then you drive to the outside you don't go inside because it smells like you'd expect it's yeah. a it's a it, like you got you have the the folks who are there whose living is made by collecting cans and bottles and then you have the cans and bottles so there's a lot of aromas but you go outside you scan your card you open a door you put your two bags in you close it and then they count it and credit it to your account safeway has 
a little kiosk where you can print out your voucher. And if, if you want cash, you get 10 cents, you get your 10 cents back. But if you want an in-store credit at like Safeway, Fred Meyer, imagine a Kroger, uh, and a handful of other, other, um, other stores, you get 12 cents and they just print out a, little, a receipt that you can take through the cash register and either apply to your balance if you get the 12 cents or just get in cash. It's fantastic. I'm not sure it's worth it, but it's fantastic. No, it's, I mean, so it's nearish to my house. Yeah. So I have, I have 13 gallon garbage bags in my backyard with cans and bottles to be to send back. Cause the bummer is you can only take it back two at a time if you're just dropping them. Yeah. So I just drop two off every time I think about it. And when I, anytime I, anytime I engage in thinking about doing something like this, I think about my hourly rate. I'm like, yep, not worth it. I'll take your cans. <laughs> you can have my cans. Yeah. yeah, we'll work it out. Um, okay, good. You have a good weekend? Yeah. Uh, the wife was out of town this weekend, so it was just pure bro time with me and the kid, um, which equated to a lot of television because mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. you do. It's also hot. Yeah, it's, it's like, warm, yeah. It's too hot to be outside. And I'm, as we discussed earlier, I'm a day walker, so son and I don't agree. Uh, we tried going to a block party in the hipster district. And he lasted about an hour and a half before he looked and he's totally down with heat. So when, and I, so at this point I was dying, I was pretty sure I was going to die, but I was there for the kid. And he looked at me and said, daddy, I want to go home. Yeah. Home is the best. <laughs> it's like, all right, bro, let's go. And we went back home. We laid in our underwear on the couch under the air conditioner and watched TV. I like your style. So that's a killer weekend. Yeah. I like your style. Yours? It was good, man. We uh, we went and played in the river for a little bit yesterday, and uh, yeah, went and got some lunch today, got some wings, and went to the New Elmers. There's a New Elmers in town. Yeah, over at VRC. We went to get to get some omelets and some pancakes at Elmers yesterday. Where'd you get wings? Uh, we went to Hot Mama's. Hot Mama's wings. Approve. Yeah. I got their hot, which are sometimes... Was it the like secret menu hot or was it their standard hot? Their standard hot, which is really good. Some, sometimes, sometimes. That's right. That's right. Today, they made my head sweat. I think it's the difference between like they probably use those uh, those plastic tubs that every restaurant uses yeah, like for storage. Yeah. And I think it's the difference between the top or bottom of the tub. Yeah, it very likely could be. When I you get to the bottom, you know it's it's good. It makes your head sweat. It's hot. You get You get phase three burning. That's what you want. I know what the recipe is. The recipe yeah. is Frank's butter, pulped habanero, and habanero extract. It's money. Perfect. Perfect. It's really good. Which I is my why favorite. I imagine the bottom of the bucket's the best. Yeah, I bet you're right. I bet you're right. I also need to order Chimay soon. Do you want Ooh, a bottle? Yes, I do. Okay. You're going to get the three pack? Duh. 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 Well, well uh, should we get into it? I think we might go long today. We do. We got a lot to talk about. We're, we're talking about watches today. We are. We are. And uh, so Everett posted on, and I, I'm going to say we posted on Facebook, really Everett posted on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram this week, mm-hmm. asking for some suggestions on $400 watches. And we were asking for a friend. Yeah, for a friend. Just for a friend. For a friend. Pays no, it, it's not for us. <laughs> so don't worry. <laughs> so that's where we're on this week. We're the four hundred dollar category, and we should we should say sort of at the outset there is actually a human being who's looking to buy a four hundred dollar watch, and yeah. as Andrew and I were discussing options for that four hundred dollar watch, 
Andrew, being the lazy fucker he is, said, oh, should we make that the topic for this week's show? And I was like, yeah, I get it. No, it's a good idea. You're busy. You're busy. I get it. I wasn't busy, though. I just thought it would be a good idea. (laughs) This was the weekend. No, no, it was a good idea. I liked it. You like it. It continues to be a good idea. That's right. For those of you who don't know, we did just take a brief intermission for us, and we've been talking shit about the last 15 seconds that you heard. (laughs) 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 Well, I guess we should just get right into it. Let's do it. Let's dive in. We got a lot to cover we got a lot so so uh i guess set up set up the parameters the parameters were what are what is the most or what are the most intriguing watches at or around 400 dollars right now so so basically and we stayed pretty strict at 400 dollars, plus or minus 20 yeah and and i think and i think um our, our buyer is thinking you know between 350 and 450 in that range um and and so yeah the keep it close right not not too too much less not too much more and and, and i i wondered what's the practicality of thinking about a watch purchase in this way well you, you know i think one of the things you might think about is if you're a watch seller or buyer you maybe have a fixed uh, budget for watches um, so, so if you, if Some you slush fund that you can't really pour into, <laughs> that's right. Well, and also, and also, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it perhaps. Right. So if you have 400 bucks sitting around and it doesn't get reinvested, it turns into beer, you wind up paying capital gains on it or whatever. Right. Mostly beer though. Mostly beer. So, um, you, you know, it, I think a lot of people will take umbrage just with the basic idea, you know, that I have 400 bucks and I need to buy a watch. What should I buy? But uh, so feel free to hold that to hold that opinion, but play along anyway. Yeah, play. I mean, play, I think you hit it right on the head. We've got in the in our hypothetical world, someone parting with a watch and coming into some money and wants to buy just one watch. This isn't like our three for 300 or three for 600 or what's what's good under three. This is this is a unique segment where someone's got a middle, a, a low end to high, high end of middle of the end, middle of the road watch and is looking to, to get a different one. And, and so used, <clears throat> new, doesn't yeah. matter. Got to be kind of available. So you, you know, not a one-off, oh, I saw this thing on eBay that you're going to find once in a million years. Something that's generally available in that price range all the time or something like all the time. Most of the time. Most of the yeah. time. Yeah. I think right. we came up with a good list. We were texting about this and this was a surprisingly easy and challenging list yeah. to make. There... $400 is a weird price point to find watches at because watches seem to be like three, five, six, nine. Mm-hmm. Some in the eights, some in the sevens, but three, five, six, nine seems to be a pretty, pretty universal segmentation of the of the watch market so finding those watches in the 400 hundred dollar category actually created a, a pretty a pretty similar uh aesthetic Nah, aesthetic's not the right word a pretty similar what am i looking for feel right i guess a lot so. of these watches are really similar they're most of them are coming from micros with a with you know excluding a few um they're all really well made they're all really beautiful um but it was hard in the sense of there was a lot more than I expected to find. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we got some great suggestions from you guys. Some of them we, we have here on this in our main list. Some of them are honorable mentions. Some of them, you know, we just couldn't fit them, right? Uh, so there's so many great things that you might consider at this price point. 
The one we couldn't find was a date just that someone was offering to sell us for four hundred dollars. So right, we're still waiting <laughs> on that promise. I said, I said on the Instagram today that uh, I was really hoping someone was going to offer me up their IWC big pilot. For yeah, 400. I, I, I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> but it didn't happen. Not nope. yet. Not yet. We're going to hold out hope. That's right. It could. Happen. We're going to have a date just or a big or a a, a big a pilot, big pilot yeah. and you're going to have to make the choice. Well, so let's roll right into it. Let's do it. The first, the first watch. Uh, this is kind of we, we really both came up with this watch. I think we both wanted it to be on our list, and then we fought over it, and we're like, "Well, fuck it, we'll just throw it in as a joint pick." Yeah, which works because it's kind of it. it I'm not kind of it is actually two watches. So these are two watches from the company called Laurier. Laurier or Laurier, one of the two, I'm not sure. Depending on how fancy you are. Depending on how fancy, that's right. So Laurier has um, been sort of in the micro game for a while now. They've got some really wonderful, um, they've got some really wonderful watches, but but right now they've got two watches that are in their sort of main catalog, and that is the Falcon and the Neptune. Mm Mm-hmm. And in the car world, I think you would say these two watches had the same chassis. Yeah. Yeah. They've got the same chassis. Um, these like are... a Chevy S10 and a Viper. Do, do they Doesn't have the S10 a... Have, a, have a chassis Viper or a, a Viper chassis on it? You know, I, I don't think so. A Viper is a Mopar sports car and a S10 is a small pickup. Uh, we'll have to fact check that okay. one because there's some, <laughs> for some reason that's bouncing around in my head as Fake being news. something... Fake news. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's something there. Could be wrong. Continue. Okay. Same chassis. So one of these is what I would call a field sport dress watch. I yeah. know that that's... I, I yeah. mean, it, it's, a, it's a sport watch sort of in the... Uh, I think that's what a sport watch is. It's kind of a field dress watch. Yeah, I guess so. I, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, so, so the Falcon is a sterile bezel... 39 millimeter am i getting that right 39 yep 39 millimeter nh35 powered 200 meter water resistant sport watch with a fantastic a wonderful steel bracelet you know what i would like though if if, in my perfect world i'd like the neptune dial Mm -hmm. on the falcon so the neptune is because the falcon has a great textured dial but for this purpose i just i wish it wasn't i wish it was flat Maybe glossed, but I, I, I wish it didn't have the texture. So the Neptune, same chassis, but it's got more of what I'd call a maxi-style dial. Mm-hmm. You, you know, that that classic sort of triangle dot dive dial. Um, and, and it's and it's a smooth dial, right? So mm-hmm. Falcon has this very beautiful waffle texture dial. I am not crazy about the Falcon's very long baton markers. There are, they they are a little bit longer than I would expect them to be. They're excessive. They're excessive. And, yeah. And, and Laurier has obviously made some very conscious design decisions with the Falcon and killed it, it to them. Killed it. Killed it. I would killed. if you if I would buy this watch. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Like I, and, and not complain about it. But if I could just tweak a couple little things, if I'm the designer, and there's no reason for me to be the designer, so I'm not qualified. Mm-hmm. But if I'm the designer, those are the couple tweaks I'm going to make, and we'll sell one. Instead of however many. Right. <laughs> right. So 48 millimeter lug to lug on this. So it's going to wear wonderfully. 20 millimeter lug width. So this is. I mean, we know how they wear. We wore one the other day. Definitely 40 and 20 approved. Um, a nice tapered bracelet. 20 to 16. Uh, all steel. All the water resistance. Uh, 
wonderful. Both of these are wonderful. The the diver has a couple different bezel variations. One of them is a standard uh, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 triangle sort of dive style without graduations. The other is uh, not sterile, but an unnumbered marker only dial. Um, these are very classic. With, with the 15 minute indicator. With a 15 minute indicator. That's right. So these are very classic, almost retro, certainly in size retro, um, just kind of everyday do everything type of watches. They're not going to be big. They're not going to be small. If you if you had one watch, either one of these could be that one watch. And we've talked about this watch a handful of times. This fits perfectly into our skin diver conversation. This this fits into our versatile conversation of it could maybe be a dress watch, but it could maybe be an everyday watch. This could be a beach watch. This could be a dinner watch. This could be a go to work watch. Like the this combo, whichever one you pick, extremely versatile. You you. You're going to be hard-pressed to find an environment that you frequent that you can't wear this watch to. The Falcon in particular, I don't think that there is a modern-day scenario where you couldn't wear the Falcon. It would work with a tux. It, it absolutely would. Yeah. I mean, nobody wears a tux. No, but uh, but it would work with one. It would. So I would mean, a G-Shock, though. Like it, At that point, it's an ironic decision, right. I hope. <laughs> but it would work right. with a tux. It wouldn't look out of place. You know, I think maybe black tie is the one situation where maybe put on a black croc leather bracelet on something tiny. But other than that, I mean, you can wear this, like you said, at the beach. You can wear it with a suit for sure. Wonderful watch. Next up. And and again, just to, just to clarify what we're talking about. These are the most intriguing watches. Not the best, um, although this may be one of the best. We're talking about a watch that we would want to buy at this price point right What's now. What's most intriguing? If, if I have 400 bucks... What are the things I'm thinking about the most? So the next watch is a watch from a, a formerly defunct company brought back to life. A British company known for its ascent up Everest with Edmund Hillary or, or Edmund Hillary's buddy. One of the two. I can't remember the story. The Smiths. There's some debate. There's <laughs> the Smiths Everest. Uh, this, oh, come on. This is another another one of those watches that is just not it's obviously not just like the falcon neptune combo but it is another one of those versatile go anywhere with you watches and these are 100 meters uh the meters? 100 meters water yeah, 100 meters water resistance yep. another sport watch so it's got that field feel it has a little bit of the of the uh the pilot feel to it just mm-hmm. the way that it's marked out but just a perfectly proportioned sport watch remind me they're what 30 they come in 36 and 39 36 and 40 36 and 40 yep so come on everyone can wear this everyone can get behind this beautiful bracelets just the the fit i want one now i want one in the person right now maybe inside me in in your butt yeah this is the kind of watch you hide (laughs) that you keister to to create a family legacy with the stamp on the bracelet on the yeah. buckle is is that clasp is killer the, uh, the clasp is killer it's got a very sort of it, it's got a you know i feel like there are a couple kinds of clasps there there are the cheap shitty clasps there are the middle of the road clasps that all look the same mm-hmm. i mean there's very little difference between the clasps on a 150 dollar watch versus a clasp on a 400 dollar watch 
Smiths has done something different here. This is a clasp that doesn't look like everything else. It's got a diver extension. It's They've done something different, and I love it. We just saw a clasp like this on the Helson, on the Shark Diver. Yeah, it's got a pretty cool clasp, too. Yeah. yeah. Surprisingly cool. So, uh, you, you, you know, for the money on this one... For you know whatever three eighty five ish I think it's it's three thirty five in pounds three hundred thirty four pounds which is a killer deal right now if you got to buy something in pounds now do it now time. yeah do it now <laughs> um yeah you, you know I, I think it's great I think it's great I, I do there is one thing I don't like about it and the hour hand no I don't mind the Mercedes hands actually I'm not a big fan of Mercedes hands uh. uh I, I don't mind them, but but what the dial is so explorery, and I don't love that. I don't love that because you know here, I think time factors in particular has been very deliberate about getting the news out about about sharing the sharing the story that this is an Everest watch, um, and that it shares that lineage with the explorer but in their listing for this they show a picture of the everest the smith's everest watch mm. and it doesn't look like an explorer at all it's its own thing yeah it's they, got a, a, they could have done a small second sub dial you know even if they skip the small second style still why don't you give me why don't you give me the dial that you had on your smiths you, you know because this is going to sell better that's why, but that bugs oh, yeah. me a little bit. They they ape the explorer. On one hand, they want to say, "Hey, we were there with Rolex, doing the same shit, and we just got unlucky." Uh, but they they sort of sell themselves short then when they ape the explorer in their design language. So I don't love that. I don't love that decision, but it is what it is. It's a beautiful watch. I accept it, and at four hundred bucks, that's a that's a by all other accounts, terrific. I'll I'll accept the. Uh, I won't say rip off. I, rip I like, off isn't right. I like the fact that they offer it more in, than an homage in thirty six and forty. Yeah, I like the fact that you can get this in a traditional sized sport watch. This is a his and hers combo right there. Yeah, perhaps. Does perhaps. it only come in blue? High dome sapphire. No, it's a black dial. It, mm. I think with the AR, with the AR, it looks a little blue, but it's a it's a black dial, and it's got this sort of old radium loom and this the everest it says everest on the bottom in this sort of ghosty black text i couldn't even see it at the angle i was at yeah it's pretty nice i i dig it i dig it it looks really blue to me i must have a problem next next up you all knew it was coming not one watch it's not one watch it's three watches and how could it not be on the list yeah it, it it has to make the list. It's the whole the whole Sarb family. Well, not all the flavors. N- not all the Sarb family. So the Sorry. Sarb 033-035, and then as a bonus, the 017. You're right. So these are all three discontinued. Womp 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 womp. But if you've got if you've got careful eyes, you can still pick these up in new, like new with tags type of condition. At or around four hundred. In fact, there I saw are, a box and papers on eBay for four hundred. That's right. So there are regularly O three threes and O three five still up for four hundred, and regularly Alpinists up for four hundred. And we made the decision kind of together that if you're gonna buy a watch for four hundred bucks right now, 
This has to be in the conversation. And you don't own both. They're in the conversation for sure. Yeah, both. That's that's how great this watch is, that owning both colorways or two or three of the colorways mm-hmm. is reasonable. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right. I probably wouldn't want to own both the 033 and the 035 just because that's how my mind works. You think? I probably would just want one or the other. I'm inclined to go 033, 035 over any over the 017 in that combo. If I'm getting all three, 033 and 017, but just two of them, I think I go black and white. So I put my money where my mouth was, and I got the 035 a number of years ago now, um, and I just love it. And right? he bought the 033 for me today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just love it. You know, I just really adore it. Uh, it, one of my favorite watches, wear it all the time. Uh, it's one of those things that I'm just never amazed when I'm never not amazed when I put it on. Uh, you, you know, you, I get tired of some of my watches. Most of my watches I get tired of. Uh, I never get tired of putting the SKX on. I put the SKX on and I'm like, and the Sarb. Right where you belong. That's right. You know, the Sarb is the other one. I put it on and I'm like, holy shit, this is cool. Every time I see the Sarb, I'm, I'm just struck by it. Nothing about it says it's a $400 watch. Nothing. Well, it was a $325 watch when I bought it. That's not that much of a inflation rate. No. You know, I think that their kind of MSRP, not the MSRP, but the sort of going rate on these is closer to five. But if you've got a keen eye, you can still get these. So so you guys all know the SARB. We've talked about it a number of times, but it's a... I think 38 and a half millimeter sport dress watch, 100 meters of water resistance, hard lex, obviously, which people don't love. Um, oh no, hard lex on the back and sapphire on the front. Um, it's got a 6R15, which is Seiko's sort of elabor equivalent. You know, it's it's a mm-hmm. little bit nicer version of the NH35, the 4R7S type movement. Um, I, I don't think that there's probably a huge performance gain, but um, it's in a little bit nicer version of Everything that. about it's just right. Yeah. And, and and the proportions are great. It feels great. Um, and it looks killer. People worry about the size sometimes. I don't have any concerns with size. Um, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm not sort of a size queen, as it were. Uh, I don't really like the bigger watches. <laughs> But, you know, when I started buying watches, I, I liked a, a little bit bigger than I do now. And I got this. This was the smallest watch I owned at the time. And I was like, oh, no, it's perfect. It it sits nice and flat on your wrist. The way this thing wears is perfect. So the other the other uh, side to that coin, then, is the Seiko Alpinist. And we're not talking about the limited edition Hodenki, although that that's cool, too. Really cool, but not 400 money. Not 400 money. So you can get an Alpinist oftentimes brand new in the box for 400 bucks on Reddit and or Watch and Seek forums. People are coming up with them and selling them. A little you, can bit get this one, you can get this one on Amazon for 475 475 right now today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So 39 and a half. Also discontinued, right? Mm-hmm. But but you can still pick them up. 39 and a half millimeters, 200 meters of water resistance, beautiful sunburst gray green dial, gold markers. Uh, I mean, it's just sort of classic Japanese goodness. On a leather strap, though. Well... A leather strap, yeah. These things don't come on an OEM bracelet. There's no OEM bracelet for these, um, which is the bummer of it because that watch 
fits so perfectly on a bracelet. I, I feel the same way. Strap code does make bracelets for these. So in, in fact, cool, but I want Seiko stamped. I've seen a lot of people wear these on two tone bracelets. Intriguing. And, Green and gold. It, yes. No. Uh, uh, so, you Silver know, and gold. Yeah. Two tone bracelet. Obviously. Yeah. Like what you'd expect. And Green and gold look, could look cool though. Really good on a two tone Jubilee. Strap code makes hmm. a two tone Jubilee for this and it looks really good. I don't know if I could pull it off. I don't have the confidence to to do gold jewelry. I just don't. I like. I don't have the confidence to do cool hats. That's that's it's a cross I bear. <laughs> I used to work with a guy who wore a duster and a bowler to work. I'm sure he was a riot. Uh, he's weird. Yeah. He yeah. he also didn't have the confidence to wear them, but he wore them. And we reminded him that it it wasn't it didn't work. He has a comic book collection. Oh yeah, no, he does. <laughs> like it, IRL. yeah, that's real. Yeah, no, that's real. He does. Yeah, they're all in plastic. There's nothing wrong with comic books. No, but but I just knew those two things. Those three things go together. He wears a duster and a bowler. He also collects comics. I knew. Yeah, kind of nailed it. Yeah, so it wasn't hard. So, so. Sarbo three three o three five and o one seven. If you're in the mood, so buying this is an intriguing watch. But we got to move on, man. Yeah, we're, we're spending too much time on the Sarb. Okay. Retrograph. Oh. Mm. From Brew Watch Co. So, I think this was the first of all of these to be sort of chiseled into the tile, right? I think so. Yeah, this was this was the first one, or maybe the second one. Um, but this was the first one that we were like... Dude, if you got 400 bucks, you need to be looking at this and you need to be thinking hard about buying it. I think this was this was first or second that we chose. I don't remember if, if the Sarb was or if the it was top 3. It was it was Sarb, Laurier, and Brew. Those were our first 3. Gosh. Who knows which in what order though. I think it's such a cool watch because it's different than just about anything else on the market. Um yeah, you're not going to find any modern iterations of watches looking like this. The the design cues are pretty, I, I mean, pretty standard. There's nothing shocking in the design. So it, it is a sort of square tonneau case yeah. with hooded lugs. That in and of itself isn't bizarre. It's got square-ish chronograph subdials. So this is a chronograph. Rounded corners. Rounded square, rounded corners. Rounded corners. That's right. Um, it, it's got sort of an aggressive minute track around the outside, which, or second track, I guess, around the outside. Uh, also, nothing crazy about it. Six o'clock date windows. But when you put it all together, it's sort of like, oh, that's different. That's different. And then but when not you, at the same time. And then it's when familiar. you realize that it's... Primary function is to time the the espresso brewing of espresso. It's like, oh man, give me three. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mean they've got four versions available on the site right now. We so talked you might as well take four. What the brass one? A couple weeks ago. Uh, I think we perhaps talked about the Technicolor a couple weeks ago. Uh, I talked about a. They've got a PVD, the Phantom. Um, they've also got oh yeah, the uh, the kind of copper dialed one is what we talked about. That's right, the King yeah. Nerd Retrograph. So, 
um, which is a little bit more expensive. But these come in at 350 brand stinking new. I think the one that I like the best. And they're in New York, too. They're, this is an American-born and grown company. I don't know anything about their their assembly process, but what I can say is that the it's, it's an American company. Yeah. Maybe not to the American-made standard, but it's an American company. So details on this guy. So... Um, 38 millimeters by 41 and a half millimeters lug to lug. That's deceiving. It's deceptive in a couple ways. One, that 41 and a half millimeter lug to lug is is not going to be indicative of how it wears. Nor is I don't think the 38 because it's a square-ish watch. It's going to wear bigger than either of those dimensions would indicate. But still, the the only square watch I've I've spent any time on my wrist is the Horizon, yeah. and that's 38 by 38. And that watch did not feel big in any way. Yeah, but it wears a lot bigger than you, I think of when I think of a 38. It felt like a 40 watch. watch. It felt like a 40, maybe a 42, but yeah. but more, it, it, it looked and felt like more closer to a 40. Yeah. So I imagine this is going to be pretty similar. I think that's right. So VK64 movement in this. Which is a movement we just talked about and a movement we love. Yeah. That's a Mecca Quartz for for those of you who haven't listened to, to our Quartz watch episode. Um, Coming out of Hattori, right? Yes, the Seiko arm. Yeah, Se- Seiko. Yeah, yeah. Um, three sixteen stainless. I mean, not not much more to say about this. This this comes in a PVD version. There's a cobalt dial, which is the only non uh, contrast dial between the sub dials and the main dial. Um, lots of cool options. Sapphire on the front. It's beautiful. They're doing it right for th- only three hundred fifty bucks. They. Yeah. They have to be making their money somewhere else. That's right. And, and the graduations all sort of point you towards between 35 or 25 and 35 seconds, which is the average amount of time it takes to brew espresso. And I love this the this Technicolor one. It's got a, uh, a five-second yellow indicator between the, the six and seven. Between 30 and 35 yeah. seconds, yeah. Yeah. It's a cool watch, man. So next, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Why don't, why don't you you talk about this one because this is oh, this is your favorite baby. So next up, this was this was personally the hardest decision I've had to make this month. <laughs> <laughs> was I, was deciding between this and its competitor, its main competitor mm-hmm. in the conversation. Uh, the winner today is the EMG Nemo Diver, a watch that you guys have heard so much from us about. We've talked about it a lot, yeah. But I have to say, it deserves every bit of it and eric isn't paying us to say that we don't even have one of these watches with us eric you can pay us or you can send us one or just send us a watch either up to you but this is my favorite dive watch that i've ever worn no i think it might be me too and you guys have heard the list of dive watches that you have all sent us so if you want if you want to be if you want to topple this feel free to send us some more dive watches but this is my favorite dive watch I've ever worn. I, I think maybe me too. It yep. is perfectly sized. It is <clears throat> extraordinarily comfortable and it looks so good. Every detail about this watch is thoughtful, makes sense, and fits. There's not a single component to this watch that is even a little bit out of place. Right down to this fucking beads of rice bracelet mm-hmm. that just... just flows around your wrist you do not feel like you're wearing a watch when you're wearing this and it looks terrific it reads easy the the tactile feedback on that bezel is so satisfying that's what it sounds like it's just like that 
I'm at a loss for words at this point. Uh, you know, so as an owner of an emperor, which is a cousin, which is a cousin to the EMG Nemo, and, and if you don't know that story, hit me up and I'll tell you. I think we've talked about it on the show once or twice, but hundred times probably. Um, you, you know, the EMG Nemo was born out of the Emperor Diver, and as an owner of the Emperor Diver, which I love. I felt like this is a watch that I had a hand in creating and designing, and uh, and that's really special. But, you know, when we had Eric's... His prototype model, not even the final product. When we had one of Eric's Nemo's in, I always lamented that the Emperor wasn't the Nemo. And, <laughs> and right now... The black, I don't know if any of the colors are different, but right now the black is going to ring you at 450 They're all 450 new, but you can pick these up on the used market under four all day. Oh, yeah. Easy. All day. So between 300 and 350 used on these guys. And, and you know, people are take, people that buy these things are taking care of them. So. And there's some killer colorways out there for them. We had the yellow. We had the yellow. There's. I this. didn't think I was going to like the yellow. I loved it. No, I love it. I, I love it. I loved the yellow. There's a powder blue out there. It's got this matte steel, uh, matte PVD bezel, um, and and the and the matte goes all the way out to the edge of the bezel. It, it's. If y'all are not familiar with the Nemo, first of all, go ahead and catch up on all the episodes up to this point. Second of all, get familiar with EMG watches. Just Google EMG Nemo. This is 40 and 20 approved. It's a 40 millimeter. 40 millimeter case diameter by 20 millimeter lugs, which I, I feel like I have to, we should repeat this every episode because people ask us every week. Because Everett's 40 and I'm 20. <laughs> 40 and 20 <laughs> means the perfect watch dimensions of 40 millimeter case diameter, 20 millimeter lugs. And this is it. And it's, it's thin. It, this is the most perfect that I've encountered iteration of a modern skin diver. Yeah, no, that's right. It is the best. It's the best, and, and and you said it, and I had never thought those that thought in my head, but maybe the best diver I've ever tried on. I think it is, and we've tried it. Like you guys have heard the watches that have been through here, and I'm I'm standing by it right now. There's nothing that beats it yet. So for my four hundred dollars, that's a great choice. So now this, I I think that our huh. buyer may eventually settle on this watch. Yep, and this is this is north of it. You broke the rules. Well, it is north of it new, but you can pick these up in very good condition. I saw a bunch of them at three seventy five for three fifty to three seventy five. But the watch we're going to talk about today is the Hamilton Khaki Field Mechanical, the twenty eighteen iteration. So, it, so Hamilton revamped these in twenty eighteen, um, and this watch is just wonderful. Can I say something first? Please, I like your SNK more. You know, that's interesting. I do not like my SNK more. I love my SNK. And, and you know, if I got, if I was, you know, got this watch, I wouldn't get rid of the SNK because I think they could do different things. But yeah, one of them you don't feel bad about throwing at somebody. This, which seems to be my go-to solution yeah, you, for like watch kinda, durability. Kinda, like. But I feel like that's a good description of, of watch durability. You can throw it at a person. Right. <laughs> right. So this is what? This is just sort of the quintessential field watch. Yeah. Uh, what's The size on these is 38, 38, right? yep. yeah. 38 by 9 millimeters thin. Ooh. By 9 millimeters thin. It's a me- hand-winding mechanical there? movement. It, it's because it's hand-winding. So it's a 28, uh, Edda's 2801 movement, which is a very sort of compact, thin movement. It is. This is this is the king field watch. It's not the khaki king, it's, but it's the it's the Hamilton field mechanical. Uh, that's right and and so i should say that all three that there so there's the 
classic sort of field officer, the Hamilton field officer, which is the previous version of this, which is very similar, but but a less retro dial. Mm-hmm. There's the Khaki King, which you can get on a bracelet brand new for under 400 And there's also the Khaki Automatic that you can get on a bracelet for under 400 yeah. So there's a number of watches that are very similar to this. They've got a great entry line. Which isn't, mm-hmm. I think, is yeah. unique of a of a watchmaker like Hamilton. Most of them don't have a line that is the same quality but accessible, and Hamilton does. They've got this, they've got this line of accessible field watches that bear the Hamilton name and live up to the Hamilton standard, but don't cost you fingers. And I love that. Yeah, I mean, under five hundred, you can get into. They've also got. Um, I think that they they make a khaki field diver perhaps that is i don't know if i've seen that um well they've also got a diver so so hamilton also runs a diver that's in this sort of 500 ish sub 500 range and you know they're doing things that that is that is pretty tough to do um at at really affordable price and 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 these are swiss sort of entry-level luxury watches very dynamic to look at um yeah i love them i mean they're they're swiss i i feel like we've covered it the swiss are making luxury goods stainless steel sapphire i think it's like a 48 millimeter lug to lug on these they gotta be taking a loss here you know i doubt they are i i mean i i doubt they are they're probably not terribly expensive to make and it's an edda movement i think they're probably doing just fine on these I love them. They come in three dial variations now. So they make a white. They make a brown. Are with... they going after the SNK market, do you think? Yeah, <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps now that the SNK prices are going up. Um, you, you know, they, they make a brown that has a like an earth PVD, I think is what they call it, but sort of a brown PVD coating. Um, Which is really cool. You should take a look at it. And they all have this old radium loom. And they all have a very vintage look to them. They're all it's very sort of G ten or or you know, classic field watch style. Yeah, that's what that's what's inspired. What they're they're inspired by. They're going right back to the roots, the origin of this watch yeah. and growing it in size to be modern sized and selling us a terrific product. You you know, I, I'll say I the thing them. I don't love about the watch is the long lugs. I like that because it creates some versatility in what you can put on it. I think it limits you to a pass-through. You think? I, I do. Don't, I don't think that lug is long enough. And it, it all, I mean, I guess it depends on where the spring bar holes are. They're all the way out of the end. Oh, are they? Yeah, you, there's big big strap gap on these when people put them on leather. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. It, it's. I think it's really similar to my... Uh, your Bertucci that you're oh no not the Bertucci the uh the oh, Siegel my HCAD yeah. my HCAD 1963 has those really long sort of reaching lugs I think this has a very similar thing going on oh the Boulder Venture was the other one that had that you yep. you can only put on a pass through yeah that's right I, I so I think that putting this on leather you might not love that the big gap the big lug gap but you're gonna wear this thing on a pass through anyway because that's what it's meant for. It's designed to go on a pass through. I don't know if I'd keep it on that one. I'm sure it feels really great. I'm not. I don't like the color scheme. Yeah. So these things come on a couple of different colors. They come on like a sand sort of 
desert tan. And they also come on this green with brown leather, which is sort of what it was introduced on in 2018 when they came out with this thing. I don't love it either. No. Don't love it. Uh, I think this would... Put it on a toxic shiznit and... Haveston 1936. I think it would kill on the 1936 V. I think it would kill on a gray shiznit. Um, or, or, you know, even any sort of, um, any sort of tubular NATO too, I think it's going to be just fine. Yeah. So. The 63 would look dope on that. Run through our honorable mentions real quick. Let's light it up. Okay, guys. So we had some honorable mentions. Like we said, there was just more watches than we thought. So many we were going to come up with. But there's six of these that were so close to making the list. I mean, really, we were in the last 10 minutes before turning on the microphones today. Arguing, fighting, fisticuffs even. Fisticuffs. So, both versions of, both modern iterations of the turtle, I guess, although they're not both turtles, but the SRP Seiko turtles, Mm -hmm. the SRPC Seiko mini turtles. Yep. Are killer entry level dive options, and the mini turtles coming in at forty two millimeters and three hundred ninety bucks. The yep. full size turtle, that's that's too many for me. But the mini turtle is, I think you can get SRP turtles at under four hundred, brand new. I only looked at it on Amazon for the mini turtle three ninety. I didn't do any hard looking. I just pulled it up. Yeah, and that's and that's a great price for that watch. Yeah, which which I think is sort of the successor to you know, the entry level Seiko diver. Now that we know the SKX has been discontinued, I think the mini turtle is where they're putting their entry level diver chips. Uh, and I think it's a great choice. I haven't personally worn one. I, I haven't either. I've worn an SRP turtle and I loved it. Mm-hmm. So both of those, um, the Smith's PRS 29, mm-hmm. which is a sort of classic field watch type thing and and that was pretty close i think to the mechanical the hack khaki mechanical it, i think objectively it's maybe better in a few ways probably um, so but aesthetically that's what we're looking for right now what do i want to buy right now yeah you, you know and smith just doesn't have the um it doesn't have the same sort of brand recognition and and, and uh, Hamilton holds that down that that's their zone mm-hmm. and so smiths is kind of on the outside looking in they could get there though, but a hundred meters versus fifty meters. I mean, objectively, I think it could be as good, if not a better watch. Same movement, um, y- you know, it- it's pretty close. But it doesn't say Hamilton. Comes in thirty-eight, thirty-six. Excuse me. It comes in thirty-six and thirty-nine millimeter iterations. Um, the thirty-six with acrylic, the thirty-nine with sapphire. They've got NSN numbers, which is pretty freaking cool. That's really cool. For those who are unfamiliar, an NSN is a national stock number and is the uh, item number tool used by the yeah. military. It basically means your shit's legit. Yeah, you're. You know, there's like a lot all of marathon sh- watches. A lot of shitty products that have NSN numbers. Tons of them. And I, I have used. dozens, piles, <laughs> duffel bags filling my attic. Literally duffel bags. Yeah. Interact attic full of shitty NSN. Four stuff. of them. So, so yeah. that in and of itself isn't anything, but it's still kind of cool. It's a cool thing, like the yeah. marathon watches. Also, really long, weird lugs on the on the Smiths PRS twenty nine. So um, next up, Nazumi's Baleen. Nazumi Baleen, yeah. The the dive watch that we've talked about before, and I think we talked about it last in our skin diver episode. Another vintage inspired excellent example of a of a skin diver they come in at under 400 bucks like yeah. i don't know why i don't have one 
And I think the last one that got our honorable mention, actually two watches again, is the Laco. Mm-hmm. The Laco's sort of entry level pilot. So I think it's the Augsburg. Yeah, it sounds right. Achen and yeah, not English. Yeah, they're German words. So Laco Laco has two entry level pilots that come in automatic iterations right at the 350 to 400 dollar mark and those also made the list and this is a list of 12 pared down from 100 or so yeah maybe not 100 but but you know i i thought you know we could even just i could even just rattle off some of these Do because it. light it up some of them i love them so you, you know these are watches that didn't make the list no nope, they're not on our list they're not on the list. Stop writing. They're not honorable mentions, but they they deserve a mention. So other watches under four hundred dollars. Other teams might... receiving votes. Dan Henry, nineteen seventy two, which amazing. Siegel uh, has a, a chronograph with a moon phase. Just Google Siegel chronograph moon phase. Dagaz makes Dagaz the famous sort of Seiko modder makes his Diamondback, which is a sub mm. style, and he also makes a T two typhoon which is a 6105 homage um the full metal g-shocks we got more suggestions for the full metal square g-shocks than i can even count it was like 30 people were like full metal g-shocks uh the draken draken Tugela 2.0 visa date tiso visa date notice oh my gosh yeah, notice. Right. we could have talked about 100 notices and in fact Contrail almost made both the list and the the honorable mention list so so it got crossed off and added to my list a couple times trieste control control 39 all wonderful uh glycine airman or the glycine combat sub both were on my list and then crossed off borealis adraga uh in bronze Mm -hmm. esteril and beluga trasca's lineup right now trasca free drivers on Mm -hmm. here the Alpina Star Timer, which is a watch that's not even on my radar, but it came up a couple times. Mm-hmm. And Gavox. You can get a Gavox Rose for under 400 bucks. Ugh. The list goes on, folks. list goes on. So those are all watches that were in play at various times through the day. And just we just could I mean, this episode, would we're at 50 minutes right now. And we're not even to other things. <laughs> Man, this was fun. This was fun. You know, when we started... Back in what, November, October, November? October? Something yeah. like that. Um, you know, we would occasionally put out calls to action. and we, <laughs> Like, hey, what do you guys think of this? And we would get like over the next 24 hours, chirp, chirp, like chirp, one chirp, or two chirp, people. Chirp. Uh, you know, geez, Louise, I, you guys are awesome. But and now I, we put out a call to action. We're like, stop, stop. We have more than we can I, deal with. <laughs> I, well, no, I mean, really, that, it was an unmanageable, the information, the load of information was unmanageable, which is wonderful. It's a wonderful problem to have. And I just am so appreciative of you guys, you, you know, but it's like, uh, it, it's like overwhelming almost like, holy cow, how cool is it? that these people are all sort of here and playing with us and ready to help out. You know, I, I hope it was clear. We were asking about a show topic and I think it probably was. And um, I, I'd love to shout out names, but it's literally probably a hundred people that supported the show today mm-hmm. and super hard to super hard to shout everyone out. So yeah, y'all are great. Thanks for drinking beer with us. You, you know, uh, actually, I'm not sure who it was, but the notice guys helped us out specifically. I reached out to them directly and I was because I just trust those guys. They're sort of have their finger on the pulse. 
Um, so, so specific thanks to those guys. Um, you, you know, but yeah, this is tough. This was a tough one. Harder than I expected. Other things we like, Andrew, go. I think we've talked about Radio Lab before. I'm sure we have. The we podcast. must have talked about Radio I, Lab. It would be weirder if we didn't. <laughs> it would be weird if we hadn't. But it's possible. Like some things just slip through the cracks. Anyway, I listened Didn't to Didn't we talk about the uh the that shrimp, the mantis shrimp, the punching shrimp at some point that sees in a billion different colors? Did I steal your other thing? Okay, go. I don't think we've <laughs> talked about that. It's not ringing any bells. Okay, go. Anyway, I listened to two Radio Lab episodes this week. Uh one on the history of eugenics. Specifically, its relationship to uh, American laws and American practices. And about 10 years ago, one of the frequent guests or hosts of Radiolab was in law school and came across a Supreme Court ruling, which I forgot to write down, that basically said, yep, nope, it's it's totally cool to sterilize people. And that bothered him. Who to thunk? And so he started working through a list of all of these 50 states uh, to find laws still in the books that made uh, involuntary sterilization still legal. Um, there was one state remaining that he could find, good old West Virginia. He reached out, did some did some probing and some asking, and uh, ultimately they changed their laws so that they couldn't take it to the Supreme Court to overturn the sterilization law. Anyway, it's about an hour and 10 minute episode talking about eugenics in the United States. And it was it was crazy to think of how recent this what seems to be deep history experience is, but how recent it is in American history. The next topic that I listened to, yep. I don't no, I want to say something. So as no, a no, no, no. you as, get, you, you as, get your choice. As a guy, as a guy who knows about uh, who, who has a surface level knowledge at least the reason I would hope so people get kind of freaked out when they realize their state has crazy old laws on the books still mm. and, and there's a number of reasons for that the the main reason for that is this issue called this issue called mootness so by and large the only way to challenge a law that's on the book is if the state in, tries to enforce yeah, that law against a specific person. So there's got to be someone who's actually facing a person or an entity, um, which, as you may or may not know, an entity is a person under the law um, that is facing a unconstitutional ramification as a result of an enforcement of this law. So so by and large, a lot of these weird, bad laws that are on the books don't really matter, which is why that Supreme Court ruling there being only one state that still had an opportunity to challenge that Supreme Court ruling. When they overturned their law, it was a disappointment for them because no one could take it to the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn this law. Because every state has laws now governing how involuntary, non-consensual sterilization is managed. And, and you know, really, the, the odds that there would be someone who was facing involuntary uh, sterilization are so low even in a state like what was it what did you say West Virginia West Virginia right it, it's so low that that the odds that someone would have an actual just, justiciable controversy that's the that's the term of art mm-hmm. in order to to challenge <clears throat> to challenge this law at the supreme court level is so low 
So, yeah. no, it virtually non-existent. But that's yeah. why it bothered him that it remained on the books. So, anyway, it's worth listening to. Uh, it was called um, Unfit. Uh, the next, I don't remember the title of this one, uh, dove specifically into a case about fentanyl. And what they looked at was an EMT who had a fentanyl overdose response after treating someone who was overdosing on an opiate. So we hit him with Narcan, dude wakes up, they get him in the ambulance. Narcan, for those of you who don't know, is a, I don't know the actual name of the drug, it's it's long. Um, but if you just Google Narcan, it's a tool that first responders carry that reverses temporarily this, the effects of an opiate overdose. And it it's they, they call it the, uh, the Lazarus drug. And having seen it in person, it is the most, it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Somebody like looks dead on the floor and suddenly they're upright and talking to you. It, it's bizarre. Anyway, so EMT shows up to a dude overdosing. They hit him with Narcan. They get him in the ambulance. And 15 minutes later, he's showing signs of an overdose. They hit him with Narcan, get everyone in ambulances and take them to the hospital. So it's this long exploration of fentanyl as it relates to how dangerous it is to people, kind of the origin of fentanyl, its its rise in the United States. And then it goes into uh, some interviews from toxicologists, uh, from pharmacologists, from folks who are basically saying the overdoses that we're seeing in first responders from fentanyl are chemically impossible. You can't just aerosolize something spontaneously. Like you can't just spontaneously absorb something through your skin. So there's still some sub, some debate out there as to what exactly is happening and why. Super fascinating, especially in the midst of the third wave of the opiate crisis in the United States being fentanyl. You, you know, Radiolab is one of those is one of those shows that is um, just amazing at taking a benign sounding topic and making just a wonderful hour of entertainment. They tell, they're such good storytellers. They're way better than we are. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you know, it, it's, it, it's probably the best podcast that's ever been made. That would be my, that would be my guess. Among them for sure. Yeah. And, and well, you know, certainly top two or three, uh, it, it probably gets my vote for best. Uh, you, you know, I've never, not a single time, turned on an episode of radio lab and haven't just thoroughly enjoyed myself so dig it you're really gonna vote for them over us yeah yeah no yep i will wow (laughs) radio jazz and whatever unrelated we're also looking for a new host (laughs) uh for for my good friend role uh Yeah, yeah, no, it's wonderful. Uh, you, you know, I, br- I brought it up briefly when you started, but they do this episode on colors where they wind up talking about this mantis shrimp that punches really fast, but that sees in all these colors, and it's fascinating and wonderful. And then later, they had to come back and say, you know, everything we said about this mantis shrimp seeing in all these colors is maybe flawed because it maybe actually doesn't really see in all those colors. It has the ability, but anyway... Wonderful. Radio Lab's always wonderful. I feel like any argument when you're talking about an organism site that you're gonna make is inherently flawed. Yeah, well perhaps. Yeah. How do you how do you know? 
Or like when they're like, this is what a dog sees. Well, fuck you know. You know, I think it's, well, so not to get into the weeds. But there's some science behind it, but there's still no way to, to definitively tell, yeah. right? That's right. Because brain receptors are different. Like, they're comparing it against what we think we know about things. And it's based on the cones in the eyes. and Which and, may work entirely different. I don't know. That's I'm, right. That's right. So, anyway, long story short, the man, the colors <laughs> episode where they talk about the mantis shrimp is fantastic. And then later when they talk about how maybe their science was flawed, also fantastic. So, I've got another thing. Do me. So, <laughs> Amazon, I bet, I bet, like... 75% of our listeners have already watched at least some of this. But there's a brand new Amazon Prime series, brand new, last couple of weeks, called The Boys. Boys, as Boys. in adolescent males. Boys. Not The Voice. I had this discussion earlier this week with somebody else. Not The Voice on NBC. The Boys. The Boys. So The Boys is a comic. It's it's a, a, a cinema or a, a serial television adaptation of a comic of, of the same name, The Boys, which is this very critical and counterpoint uh, view of superhero culture. You know, and, and I think what they do is, I think the easiest way to say what they do is they try to explore what sur- superheroes would actually be like in our American capitalist society. So like what they'd be like when they were not wearing the cape, just what they'd be like, period. So these people are superheroes and they're famous. And so they're kind of like pro sports athletes, Tom Brady, they're Tom Brady, but with, with a Marvel cinematic universe movie line. Okay. They have got all the money. They're the most famous people on earth. They're prima donnas. How do they make money? They're drug addicts. They're they make money through movies and they government like contracts. And oh, okay. And you know all the things that you might expect that you could make money doing. So they're in, insanely wealthy. They're controlled by this major corporation, um, but the major corporation can't really control them because they're, they're superheroes. They're fucking superheroes. Um, so they're just nasty, shitty people, by and large, um, with all the power in the world. I'm not even good at things that I'm like that. And and, <laughs> and what happens is they piss a few people off to the extent that there's this good and evil battle that foments. Are they the evil? And they're the evil. Okay. It's wonderful. It's really good. I'll tell you, don't watch it with the kids. Don't watch even 10 seconds of it with the kids because I I think in the first maybe two minutes of the series, there's a conversation about the difference between laying pipe and laying tube, laying something else. Anyway, but, but the conversation evolves to, well, laying pipe would be having sex, but what you said is actually just me shitting all over your apartment. It's like in the first like minute of the series. I don't even know the shitting euphemism. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's really good. And and then, you know, then somebody dies in a really t- horrific fashion. And there's blood all over people's faces on multiple occasions. Uh, pink mist. The full meal deal. Ooh. It's very good. I'm intrigued. It's, it's very good. It's graphic. <laughs> it's excellent. It's excellent, excellent television in 2019. Once I exhaust Black Sails. 
Black Sails. I'm going to move on to the boys. We'll talk about Black Sails next week. Yeah, next week will be will be the the Black Sails conversation. Buffalo Bill. Okay, so before we move on, there is one thing that I want to talk about. So after our Quartz Watch episode, which that was maybe our most well-received episode, which kind of surprised me. Because yeah, because we're not scientists. We're not scientists. We're not engineers. We're not terribly smart. No. Um, I got a question from a uh, an Instagram user, a listener. Uh, Instagram at it tells the time. And I'm going to call him out. I hope that's not a problem. Sorry, bro. He, he's a public account. Uh, but it, at it tells the time, which reminds me of... Um, which reminds me of, uh, you know, it puts the lotion on the skin a little bit. I don't know if that's intentional or not. Only a little bit. <laughs> and I think it's just us. But he asked me this. He said, hey, what is, so you've got these 14 flip-flops. So we've got 32,768, and we flip-flop 14 times to get down to, you know, two uh, two iterations per second, a tick and a talk, which gives us a one. Why couldn't we flip-flop fewer times, say 11 times, and give us eight ticks 16 ticks and talks eight ticks per second which would closely mirror the 28800 standard and i said gosh i don't know let me look and so i i went to the high accuracy high accuracy quartz forum on watch you see and asked this question look nobody's a scientist there are well there's people who are scientists there are so few people who know how this shit works that nobody knows the answers but I think I've narrowed the question down. I, when he asked me this, I said, you know, that's one of the best questions we've ever got. Um, yeah. I didn't think about it, and, and and I don't know the answer, but let me do some homework. So uh, over the course of about three days, had a good conversation with these people, and I think it comes down to a couple things. W- one, when the quartz movement technology came out, it was very special to be able to measure time in one second increments visually to be able to see each second elapse in a distinct fashion was very entertaining and and helped you with accuracy um in fact there's also a a, there's also a mechanical a mechanical um function that is called deadbeat seconds and a complication, if you will. Deadbeat seconds makes a mechanical movement into a one-second jumping, you know, like a quartz movement. And they're very expensive. They're very hard to do. And nobody does them because kind of why do we want to do that? So the question that was posed to me got me thinking, yeah, why don't we do that? The answer is to start with because it was better to visually do one second. So there's we talked about the number of reasons why, why 32768 was picked. Why it was stepped down to one second? Because that was cool. That was cool. It was useful. It was practical. So answer one is because one second's better. Answer two is because we've got this very mature technology that there's no reason. It ain't broke. So no one wants to fix it. It's not affecting sales. Uh, Answer three, and I think that this is probably the least significant factor, but it is a factor. It's going to be less efficient to move a quartz second hand multiple times per second. I would argue that's the most important. Well, the efficiency. I think of at the some movement, point it might be, but but I don't. I don't think it probably takes the cake. But go ahead. I, I, th- I think. Cut you off. I, th- I think the efficiency of the movement is the cornerstone. Of, wow, is the cornerstone of of the success and of the value of quartz. 
Quartz movements don't look sexy. Mm-hmm. Sweeping hands look sexy. Spring drives look sexy. Mm-hmm. Quartz movements don't. Quartz movements are efficient and they are accurate. And I think the more bells and whistles you add to it, the more components you add to it, the more changes you make to it, it becomes less accurate. It becomes less efficient. It becomes harder to manufacture. And when we're looking at something that originated in Japanese manufacturing, we're looking at the most efficient way to accomplish a task. And the most efficient way to accomplish that task is to have it to do one thing, yeah. count seconds. And and this came up in that thread, right? This came up in that thread where people say, hey, look, if you, if you increase... If you increase the amount of times we're ticking per second, you're going to decrease the efficiency. You're going to decrease the lifespan of the of the quartz. Li- decrease the lifespan of the battery, which in turn is going to increase your service interval, which is in turn going to decrease the lifespan of the of the movement in and of itself. So that is a factor. Mm-hmm. I think it's the most important factor for the origin. Now there's no excuse. I, I think that's right. I, I think now... We're in a place where with solar movements and with with some of the alternative technology, it could be done. And so I think right now, that's not the biggest factor. I think the biggest factor is probably it ain't broke, so we're not fixing it. It's not hurting sales numbers of quartz movements any to have a ticking second hand. It'll make quartz movements more expensive, which is is one of their selling points is that they're less expensive to they're efficient they're cheap the technology is super mature even unthermal compensated so yada 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 anyway i wanted to respond to that question because it was a fantastic question and it, it motivated me to kind of engage in this just a little bit further and, and and i need to put a caveat on all this i'm not an engineer i don't believe anybody who is helping contribute to that conversation was an engineer so short of getting a oscillator oscillation designer or engineer involved in this conversation i think that's the best answer we're going to get i have a person i will talk to them okay there we go well that's that's all i got do you have anything else today one last thing from me i just want to say thank you to all y'all for your feedback for your input for your engagement we started this i don't know nine months ago ish whenever october i don't know how i don't math good and we didn't know what was going to come of it. We we could have very well just been two dudes drinking beer in a room, which we would have been doing anyway. Mm-hmm. I cannot even express to you guys how thankful we are, how appreciative we are for your guys' engagement with us, for how much you trust us. Thank you for sending us your stuff. Thank you for talking to us. I would, a year ago, I would have felt like it was weird if people from the internet were talking to me. Or sending me $700 sending me things, dollar yeah. watches. Yeah, and now I dig it. I love it. I love your guys' engagement. Thank you so much. You make You make all of this worth it. Because Everett and I are going to drink beer no matter what. We're most likely going to talk about watches no matter what. We're not going to get to talk to you. So thank you. Keep engaging with us. We love it. That's all I have. Amen. Right? Yeah, no, I was actually talking to my wife today. I'm really proud of what we've done here. And I'm just super thankful, just like Andrew, of all the opportunities. You know, just this week I met up with a an Instagram. Yeah, I was a little shitty about that. Follower and uh, had beers, you know. It was like shit how cool is this because you didn't even text me i saw it on instagram i told you that it was going to happen and you were in salem disagree all right thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20 if you'd like to follow us check us out on instagram at 40 and 20 better yet if you want to support the show and let me tell you we need the support 
because we just spent $800 on recording equipment. If you'd like to support the show, check us out at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. Today is Bummin' on Tremolo by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.